And away we go on Thursday, August 17th. Welcome back to the Damon Bruce Show. Good to have you here on the Plus. Thank you so much for joining me once again, whether you're doing it live, whether you're just listening to the podcast, or whether you're watching this on replay later on when it's most convenient for you. Matters not to me. The whole point is, is that you clicked on it. We're spending this time together, and I thank you very, very much for being here once again. I got a little something. Oh, the world loves a power ranking, doesn't it? Oh, give me power rankings. Um, how about this power ranking sip of the day? Ah, hopefully that makes Rob C get paid off from whatever Betty laid down yesterday. Again, so sorry. I missed that uh, generous super chat yesterday, Rob C. But uh, sometimes I'm not looking at the chat while I'm doing the show. And I beg your forgiveness. But it is uh, really good to have you here. And like I said, we got some power rankings to go through. Now, everyone likes a power ranking. Everyone likes to be told who's in trouble, who's in less trouble, who's in more trouble. It's really hard to decipher what trouble is out here in the Bay Area, except for one clear entity that I think sits above and beyond all in that number one, you're in sports trouble spot. It's the University of California. If we had to draft who is in the most sports trouble in the Bay Area, you'd be hard-pressed to have a better number one draft pick than the University of California. There isn't a sports entity in the Bay Area that is more at a crossroads than the athletic department in Berkeley. I think they're clearly the number one choice. The future is without direction, which means you're as lost as humanly possible when it comes to athletic competition. You know, you can be bad for a season or two, but as long as you have direction to go in, you have somewhere to go. What direction is Cal really pointed in? You know, Stanford, in a weird way, even though their situation is in many ways identical to Cal, um, it, it's it, it feels more insulated because the athletic success and identity for Stanford, whether they check the box of uh, they really don't care or not, I don't know, but they play that game so very, very well. And we know that they have a level of money, a true level of money that it insulates them from caring. I, I, I it, It's hard to gauge where Stanford is. Meanwhile, there's been a whiff of desperation coming off of Cal even when the Pac-12 felt stable or a lot more stable than it is today. So it just feels like bad times over in Berkeley. And I would have zero confidence placing a bet on what way the Golden Bears are going to go. Next up on the hot seat power ranking, even though it doesn't feel like there is necessarily any consequence to attach when it comes to pressure and power ranking, I would say the 49ers come in number two because you can't have higher expectations than you better win a Super Bowl in the next two years or you are going back to the lab with an entire different experiment. The experiment that the 49ers are running right now is 
loaded roster benefited by the least expensive quarterbacking room you can find on any team that fancied itself about to do something special in the NFL. So, man, the 49ers are absolutely in a two-year window of the financial deal that they made with the devil to have pauper pay for quarterbacks, meaning everyone else can get paid, which kind of brings me to where the hell is Nick Bosa, but we'll, we'll have more on that later. All the standard bearers involved with the 49ers have to be feeling the pressure. That goes from executives to ownership to coaches' rooms to players. Everyone knows the time is now or the time gets reset and you go over to the you know cosmic football egg timer and you have to turn it over once again to see which way the sands start flowing through the hourglass. It is pressure on everyone involved. Um, is there an actual hot seat for Kyle Shanahan, though? I, I don't know. I don't know. And honestly, actually, I think I do know. The answer is no. Like, the 49ers cannot win the Super Bowl this year or next year, and Kyle is not looking at an insecure job. We'll get more to that in a minute. Maybe John Lynch? Maybe? Since they're kind of attached together? It feels like John Lynch would be on his way out before Kyle would be. You could see that Gabe Kapler is starting to feel the pressure a little bit just sitting in the press moment that he had that a lot of people are trying to say was a little awkward. Look, Gabe Kapler asked the reporter to justify a question and without raising his voice, without throwing anything, even that by generation, you ain't tough at all, is portrayed as confrontational. It, it really, really wasn't. Um, it was just an open back and forth instead of you ask the question, I give the answer. Uh, it was a little awkward for sure. And I think it's a signal that the pressure is on Gabe. I mean, he gets tossed the, the day before and and he comes on back and and is in it with reporters. And I think it's because, speaking of sand through the hourglass, the San Francisco Giants can feel it slipping away a little bit, right? Gabe Kapler is definitely in line to be a Giants fall guy more than Farhan because Farhan seems to be at this particular time, and I guess this is the disappointing part for Giants fans, he seems to be executing the Giants' financial direction that the ownership wants him to execute, which means as far as they're concerned, they're happy with the job he's doing. As far as you're concerned as a fan, you might not be. But if ownership doesn't have a problem with what you're producing or how you're producing, then you really don't have a problem. That's on Farhan. But eventually, you have to have a sacrificial lamb if it gets bad. And I think Kapler would be up first. You know, Farhan's in action even if it was in the name of eventually serving this glorious home-cooked meal full of homegrown prospects, there was a level of inaction that is haunting the San Francisco Giants right now. You know, I, I think I think that, that Farhan's got some marching orders to make sure the finances stay where they kind of are right now and it really isn't attached. His job isn't attached to the team's success. How much of his success can you cobble out of the financial model that we're allowing you to operate under? 
And I think Farhan's doing the job that they want him to do. The Giants are, let's face it, the Giants are very comfortable right now living in an above-average world more than they are pursuing greatness. So who is really in trouble there in terms of hot seat power ranking? The answer could be maybe Kapler because he would be the guy to go. Farhan doesn't feel like the Giants are upset with a single trade he didn't make or a free agent he hasn't landed or a contract that he's given away. By the way, is Ross Stripling going to run to exercise that $12.5 million player option at the speed of light as soon as he can? I mean, you're going to have a bad pitcher coming out of your bullpen for $12.5 million if that's what Ross Stripling has really turned into, and it looks like that's who he is right now. I'm not even talking about the A's because the A's have, you know, so entered the realm of nothing they do matters. There's there's no hot seat for anyone. If another stadium idea totally fell apart, maybe Dave Cavill would finally get his walking papers. But the entire team wants its walking papers out of here, so they don't even matter anymore. And that's sad, but that's the way it goes. There's clearly nothing going on with the Oakland A's that particularly matters, which is why the entire situation is so cataclysmically depressing. So let's talk about Kyle Shanahan. Because as frustrated as fans present themselves with Kyle Shanahan, and maybe there's times where some of that frustration, you feel like it's it's well spent and it really matters. I'm going to tell you right now, he's not going anywhere. Without a level of melting down that he's attached to Brock Purdy practice performance, Kyle would have to so thoroughly forget how to do anything successful on a football field to get fired that I, I don't I don't think he's got it in him. I think he's got a tremendous amount of job security. And he should. Because he's really, really, really good at what he does. He is. Kyle Shanahan is already third on the franchise's all-time postseason wins list. Now, it doesn't come with a Super Bowl, so people want to say, well, when it comes to the postseason, Kyle doesn't get it done. He's won the third most games all-time in franchise coaching history in the postseason. That has to matter on some level. Only Walsh and Seifert have won more games than Kyle Shanahan in the postseason. He'll move into fourth place on the all-time regular season wins list with just six more victories, and if the wheels totally fell off, they're going they're going to win six games this year. So, beyond all that, real quick, without looking it up, how old do you think Kyle Shanahan is? Don't don't look. Just say it out loud wherever you are right now. Just speak it into existence. How old do you think Kyle is? 47, 48, my age, maybe a little old, 49. Nope. He's only 43 years old, and he'll be 44 in December. You're not getting rid of a coach who has been this successful, this young in his career. He is 43 years old. That's it. He'll be 44 in December, and I don't think Jed York really has any reason or the inclination or the guts or will experience any level of frustration that makes him make the snap judgment that this guy's got to go. I just, I don't think it's going to happen. And it's one of those, what happens if you actually did fire Kyle Shanahan? He would be so hired immediately somewhere else that it feels like it would be a bad idea just on that alone, right? 
There's also this. He's been to three of the last four NFC title games. I know for some of you who think you you were born a 49er fan, therefore guaranteed at least two Super Bowl wins every decade. And and look, for a, a while, that felt like the truth. But things do change, and things have changed. And Kyle is as successful as you can possibly be without having won it all. Seriously, that's that's what he is. You know, Kyle Shanahan is the thinner more attractive, younger version of Andy Reid in a lot of ways. You know, the guy who's a good coach, and we all see that, but he's never going to win it all. Oh, right up until he did. So that's kind of where Kyle lives, which gives him a tremendous amount of job security. His defeats, I think, can all be attributed to obvious things more than schematic or coaching breakdowns or anything like that. So even though there are a lot of slings and arrows and quivers shot into Kyle, he doesn't, A, deserve them nearly as much as he gets them, and B, a lot of people firing the arrows don't even know what they're aiming at. And it's just easy like any director directing a football game is you have a wide shot of the football field, then you have a close-up of a head coach, and then a close-up of a quarterback. So one of those two guys must be responsible for absolutely everything that's happening, almost singularly to themselves. That's not the way the sport works. And then, and then, and then we go to the man who's got an awful lot of job security almost job security to infinity in terms of coaches around here, and that's Steve Kerr. Now, the Warriors feel like that they're, you know, they're close to the end of their run, and it's either going to land in a competitive fashion or the wheels totally start falling off. Outside of the wheels completely falling off, I just don't think that Kerr is going to be going anywhere anytime soon his son was just promoted as santa cruz warriors head coach so obviously the kerr name echoes far and wide inside the warriors organization i he's also you know if you want to really start nitpicking all the reasons why it's maybe time to move on from kerr he's won more championships than what any coach here on any level, right? Outside of like high school, this man has stacked championships. Um, he's got pelts on his wall, and those count. He's coach of Team USA, that counts. And I also think he's the one guy that Joe Lacob, Kirk Lacob, La Familia Lacob just isn't going to mess with. So. The, 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 I, I think Mike Dunleavy Jr. will be out of a job before Steve Kerr is out of a job unless Steve Kerr makes the choice that it's time for me to walk away, which smart coaches start thinking of doing when they get to year 12, 13, 14, because all voices start to lose their power in a locker room, and that's just a natural team cycle. So... It'll be interesting to see it end, but I don't see any ending for Steve Kerr that means like, oh, he got fired and it was embarrassing. Like, it just, it doesn't feel like that's the way it will be laid down. Mike Silver. 
wrote a pretty interesting article in the San Francisco Chronicle that was basically ah, another good sip. Um, why does Trey Lance trigger people? I think there are different factors going on in here. There really are. There are different reasons why Trey Lance has such a visceral reaction in the fan base. Number one, let's start with this, because I think this outranks all of the things. We live in a world where people now believe their opinions are a matter of fact. I want to say that again, so it just echoes. We live in a world where people think their opinions are a matter of fact. I feel so strongly about something, it must be true. That's, you've been coddled in your life. You were taught to believe that your completely untrained, unspecial eye matters as much as people who are, you know, professionals. Everyone wants to skip doing the actual work and go right into punditry. I'm now a pundit. I want, I want to be an expert on this topic. Well, what do you know about it? Well, not much because I just got here. We live in that world. We also live in a world where anger sells like hotcakes. So stoking the fire of anger when it comes to Trey Lance trying to attach coaches' ignorance or negligence or an element of racial bias to it, that's an easy thing to do. It's an easy thing to do, so people do it easily. And again, we gobble up what we do not like. We gobble up what we don't like. And so anger and venom sells, and it sells well. Maybe if I presented with more anger and venom, I would have already crossed 10,000 subscribers. I'd rather be at 7,000 with a little integrity than 10,000 pretending to be angry at something all the time. How many interceptions did he throw in practice? Doesn't matter. You know, it feels like whenever anyone wants to count the interceptions thrown in practice, at no point in time will they say, well, every single day, this guy gets to practice against one of the best, if not the best, defense in football. One of the best defenses in football is probably intercepting an awful lot of practice passes, no matter who threw them, right? Isn't that kind of where we need to position half the story? But it's a lot easier to sell anger of the interception than it is merit of the defense that is making these plays over and over again. We also, we live in a world where people who watch football actually believe that because they watch football, they have a credential, they are inside the room, that they really feel like they know as much about what's going on as the people who are really inside the room. I'm going to tell you not a single media member know how, not not Peter King. Who, who is your favorite and most informed media member? Whoever the answer is, whoever your answer is, unless they are a former football player who played at a level of several years of success in the NFL, you do not speak that language. You, you could not sit down and talk football with Kyle Shanahan. How about this? Kyle Shanahan could teach every single one of us a world 
of basketball, or excuse me, a world of football knowledge. There's not a single thing any of us could teach Kyle Shanahan about football. Not, not nothing. Not nothing. Nothing. We have nothing to offer the conversation if we were having it with Kyle. And that's not kiss and rear end. It's the truth. There is a language that we do not speak being spoken inside of football franchise headquarters. Everything we do is for entertainment. It's the truth. Now, we try to, at least I try to, couch my entertainment in some level of reality, some some level of, well, let's have a reasoned, nuanced discussion of what's going on here. But, ah, we also live in a world where people are just trying to make fetch happen. And people want to speak Trey Lance into existence. It's not going to happen. This isn't an Oprah Winfrey dream catcher. You're not going to speak this shit into existence. He, once drafted, regardless of draft capital, you're on your own. You will show to us you are a player that is worthy of playing time or you do not. And there is no one involved in the evaluation process that matters than the head coach and general manager. And those two guys are the same guy when it comes to the San Francisco 49ers. Kyle, um, let me ask you, what would be worse? If Kyle, what is worse, I guess, would be my question. Kyle not playing someone he had high hopes for, but didn't really turn into who he hoped he would have, or sticking with the wrong player for too long. What's worse? Kyle is using the information he knows about his offense and his team to evaluate what he needs at quarterback. And just leave it to Steve Young to explain it in a way that should be easily digested by everybody listening. But a minute, the, the, the minute that you, you offer this, it, it takes away so much of the argument away and the anger away that people don't want to buy what Steve Young is selling. And again, Steve Young is one of those guys who speaks a language of football that none of us could ever sit down and talk with him about. We could ask him questions, but we have no answers for Steve Young, how any of this works. So when he presents some answers and theories about how he thinks it's working, it, it matters. Steve, uh, on with, uh, with Tolbert and Copes on KNBR, said about Brock Purdy. And again, this is going to explain to you why he's playing ahead of Trey Lance better than anything you'll ever hear. Steve Young said, he's so quick to get the ball out. He understands the game in a unique way. The ball comes out in a great spot, and that's why Kyle loves him, because he's been begging for someone that he can call any play and get a trustworthy result. Ta-da! There it is. There it is. That's the answer so many people have been dying for. That's it. That's it. Kyle's looking for a trustworthy result. He wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to make it happen. And then unfortunately, Jimmy produced more untrustworthy results than trustworthy results. So Kyle makes a draft pick of a guy who his 
only, in Kyle's eyes, produced untrustworthy results in Trey Lance, and who unfortunately got set behind you know, the injury bug and the COVID bug and the didn't play much in college situation, which are all unfortunate, but it's it's just what happened. And then here comes this guy named Brock Purdy, who just started delivering what Kyle believed were trustworthy results, and those trustworthy results equaled they won an awful lot of games with an inexperienced Mr. Irrelevant at the NFL level, but his collegiate experience provided him enough of a framework to make trustworthy decisions in Kyle's eyes, and Trey didn't show up with that. Trey showed up with an envious amount of physical and raw attributes. Brock Purdy brought a whole lot of, I've done this before to the party. And that's what Kyle needed. That's what Kyle needed. To me, Kyle Shanahan's biggest miscalculation was taking a prospect that didn't come close to matching his team's timeline. There are plenty of NFL franchises who would today present a situation to Trey Lance that says, come on in, we're going to play you, and we're going to grow through and roll with your mistakes in the name of tomorrow will be brighter. The 49ers are not playing tomorrow seasons of football. They're playing this season of football. And that's why they need a guy who can just make those trustworthy choices. Again, I, I know that I'm not screaming, so maybe this isn't resonating, but it should. This should resonate with you if you consider yourself a smart person, wondering how all of this really is fitting together. Bomani Jones, who I think is among the smartest media members and very, he's an intellectual. He's a very smart guy. He, I saw through a series of tweets, was saying, you know, Kyle Shanahan is hailed as so much of a genius that people talk themselves into Mac Jones at number three after trading three first-round picks to get there. They thought that, that was a good idea. Hey, it might have been. Mac Jones in a Kyle Shanahan situation might have produced results similar to or better than Brock Purdy's only through the college reps he got at the highest of levels. We don't know. We don't know. You know, Kyle has shown a level of success. You know, for people who are like, well, Kyle, he builds himself as his quarterback whisper. Look at the level of success he's had with not very good quarterbacks. Where Bill Belichick, without Tom Brady, has had almost nothing going on with the all the other quarterbacks he's ever really had. Drew Brees for a minute, you know, not Drew Brees, Drew Bledsoe for, for a minute there. So, you know, just having a level of coaching acumen that means no matter who you give me, it's going to be a success. Like, that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. And then, and then Bomani goes on to say, now people are telling me that he did take the guy after trading all those picks isn't talented. Look, no one would make the argument, no one that knew what they were talking about would make the argument that Trey Lance isn't talented. He's very talented. But being very talented means nothing to the NFL. Means nothing. Nothing. There is no level of football. There is no level of football success 
you can have collegiately that means this is going to translate to the NFL. The NFL takes Heisman Trophy winners and spits them out like sunflower seeds all the time. All the time. You know, the draft capital sunk into trading up. The, the, the Niners made a huge gamble thinking we're going to roll the dice on Trey Lance and maybe it'll work out. It hasn't. You got to stop complaining about the dice roll. They took a shot. The shot didn't hit its bullseye, but they continue to win an awful lot because a shot that no one else was even willing to take is a shot that they took with the final pick of the draft, and that seems to have produced a player that Kyle is very confident to be his starting quarterback. All you wanted was Kyle to get a starting quarterback he was comfortable with. First round, last round, any round, undrafted. Why do you care? Why do you care? Because... You've watched enough Mel Kuyper that you think you're a draft Nick now? You, you, you know more about the NFL draft? The NFL draft is a crapshoot across the board. There's no amount of college success or physical attributes that mean you're going to make it in the NFL. And if you don't believe me, here's a quick list. Heisman winning quarterbacks. You know, guys who played all kinds of football at the highest of levels and got all so many more reps against superior competition than even Brock Purdy enjoyed when he was at Iowa State. Much less Trey Lance coming from, this ain't really major college football and you hardly played much due to the circumstances of the times. The NFL has spit out Baker Mayfield to Tim Tebow to Johnny Manziel to Jameis Winston to Troy Smith to Chris Wenke. These are Heisman winners. Heisman winners with varying degrees of physical attributes, which were going to be the difference maker in their careers as opposed to the other guy. Yeah, the NFL just shits on all of that. All the time. If Trey Lance were better, he'd play. He's not. That's why he's not playing. There is no secondary agenda going on. There is no appeal to trying to quell fan anger by denying him opportunities to succeed. I'm going to tell you right now, if football God can come down from earth and guarantee Kyle Shanahan a Super Bowl, if he would shoot Brock Purdy in the head, and just go with Trey Lance as boom, boom. Kyle, Kyle would assassinate and bury the body of any player that he liked. If there were a guarantee that this player will now win a super, but that's not how it works. Trey Lance doesn't guarantee anything. Brock Purdy doesn't guarantee anything. The football team with the highest of expectations, the single best team, look at it this way, winning Super Bowls, it's really hard to do. You know who it's really hard for? The Kansas City Chiefs. As easy as they make that look, never interpret how easy it looks is how easy it is. That's nuts. You can't interpret, well, they make it look so easy, it must be easy. Even for the best team in the history of football, there's only one team in football that ever was like, yeah, about halfway through the season, we know we're going to win the whole thing and we're guaranteeing it. And it was the 1985 Chicago Bears because they had something that someone never, ever saw before in that 46 defense. And they knew, okay, well, it's going to be really hard to beat a team that you can't score against. 
And so that's what they were. And they recorded the Super Bowl shuffle halfway through the year. Ballsy when you look back at it. Heisman Trophy winners with the highest level of success are told, told nope by, by the NFL all the time. So people need to calm down. I mean, we, we haven't even begun the regular season, and look at how rattled and anxiety-ridden everyone is. Like, if you can't make it to preseason week two without having already pissed down your leg five times, how are you going to get through the regular season? You need to know when to really flex the I'm angry muscle and when not to. And if you are angry constantly at practice results, which once we get to week one in Pittsburgh, just don't, you'll never discuss them again. How about that? I can promise you, once we have played a single quarter of regular season football, every element of every detail that has been measured and examined and put under a microscope and re-examined, none of this will matter by halftime of the Steelers game. You'll never speak of it again. Never. Ever, never, ever. So to make it the end-all, be-all focus of your misery, your outrage right now, is just you're telling me you don't know what you're doing every time you react like that. Again, the adult in the room. Sorry. Sorry. Sometimes adults have to walk in the room and tell the kids, you know, you just be a little quieter. You're all allowed to have fun, but you should be a little quieter. That's what Mike Silver's column was today, basically. All this Trey Lance triggering, hey, you can root for whatever results you want, but you need to be quieter as you're doing it because you don't know anything. You're just watching. And if you watching makes you feel like you're an equal to the people who are actually doing, you don't understand what you're watching. Now, here's what I do understand. It's 24 days until the 49ers kick off in Pittsburgh. Where is Nick Bosa? 24 days. 24 days. Get Nick Bosa signed. Get him in. Get, what, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, that. that's legit. We need no more evaluation of Nick Bosa. Give him the biggest bag of money that he wants. Shut up and get out of his way. That's the only way to handle a talent like his. A little bit of baseball for you on a Thursday. The Giants, pretty obvious they're really not in the same league as the young and talented Tampa Bay Rays are, are living in. They, 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 Tampa Bay is a good team, man. They just, they just keep coming at you. Uh, that was pretty much made clear over the last three days. The Giants play the Braves in Atlanta beginning Friday. Spencer Strider is going to strike out at least 10 Giants, right? I mean, that's kind of what he does. And he's going to be opposed by Alex Cobb. The Braves just absolutely mash. And the Giants are sitting in a road trip that's got all the earmarks of this could get ugly because the Giants of a team, as a team, has, has spent August looking bad. 
you know, they, they've spent more time fading than shining here in the month of August. And the reason why they're doing that isn't just because they're running out of gas themselves. It's because they're facing superior than them really playoff bound competition. And the Giants look small when measured against big major league teams right now. I saw Andrew Baggerly. Saw Andrew Baggerly say, you know, the Giants were 15 and 5 when using an opener. Now they've lost five of their last six with that actual gambit. So what was working for them is now not working for them because competition goes up and your Mickey Mouse opener is great against the Arizona Diamondbacks in the middle of the season. But when you get to this now matters and the other teams got their big boys marching out and you are marching out ideas, you get into trouble really fast. Again, this is how the whole platoon thing is great to get you through a regular season. But once you hit that postseason, you need an actual bona fide major leaguer. And if you are a major leaguer that is constantly in the state of being platooned for, you're really not the everyday major leaguer that teams need if they have major expectations. Andrew Baggerly writes, the Giants are now stuck in a two-month funk in which they've been the least productive offense in the major leagues. The Giants are built to win by being greater than the sum of their parts, but those parts still matter, and too many of them aren't working. No doubt about that. No doubt about that. The A's, the A's snapped a nine-game road losing streak with a shutout win in St. Louis yesterday. So I'm not sure where the parade's going, but there needs to be a parade for that. So congratulations. The Orioles are in Oakland starting on Friday. That's going to be painful. And in the last story of the day, it's certainly the most disturbing story of the day. Wander Franco. This story is coming more into focus, and the more it comes into focus, it does not look good. And Obviously, the Rays were just in town. They were without Wander Franco, and this has gone from beyond a social media entity saying that he is dating an underage girl to now the Dominican Republic has opened an investigation into a number of accusations against him made by minors that are saying he took them to bed. On Monday, the Rays placed 22-year-old Wander Franco on the restricted list, a move that will sideline Franco for at least six games. Baseball is investigating the player following a social media post that questioned the nature of a relationship Franco was in with a younger woman. The story on ESPN goes on to say, in November of 2001, the Rays and Franco agreed upon an 11-year $182 million contract extension, just 70 games into his career. And honestly, Wander Franco, right up until this, is among the small handful of spectacular young baseball players in the game right now. And if this story goes and continues to travel along the track that we all fear is in front of us, he may never play Major League Baseball again. 
Hector Gomez, who covers baseball, uh, wrote, a person very close to the investigations into the case of Wander Franco has told me, quote, it will be very unlikely that Wander Franco will play in baseball again. Judging by the results of the investigations that are currently being carried out, which directly commit him to the accusations against him. In other words, it looks like there is proof that this guy has been sleeping with underage girls more than one. That will end his major league career. So there is a disturbing story to track for sure. So that's today's show. I hope you enjoyed some power rankings. I hope you enjoyed some reasoned football analysis. If you are watching and you haven't subscribed, go ahead, hit that subscribe button. I certainly hope you hit that like button. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We'll be back Friday with even more. In the meantime, though, we're about to slip into Club Plus here on YouTube. And I just want to tell you that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, whew, he's gone.